Listen up. There's no more excuses. We're empowering those who want the hustle by exposing the status quo. The days of ordinary are over. It's time to crush mediocrity and start discovering your greatest potential. Welcome to the Hustle Nation. Hustle Nation. Hustle Nation. Hustle Nation. Welcome back to episode number two, uh, Hustle Nation. Hope you're having a great day wherever you're listening or watching from. Today, we're going to talk about the imposter syndrome, and we're going to share our stories specifically of how and what our imposter syndrome is. And, you know, what's interesting to me is just recently, Dustin, I, uh, I'll share with you shortly, uh, I had a, a moment of imposter syndrome. And I really, truly believe that everybody experiences it, Um, whether you're Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or insert any successful individual, athlete, musician, whoever, that um, is at any level. We all go through it. And we will continue to go through and we'll fight imposter syndrome. But before we, we go any further, Dustin, tell our, our lovely listeners, what is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is that, you know, that feeling you have when you you're undertaking something, right? You're taking on a new role or you're taking on a new venture and all of a sudden that voice in your head is saying, "Why the heck are you doing this? You know, you're not you're not qualified to do this. No one's going to no one's going to care, no one's going to listen. What value do you create in this?" And and it's been interesting, you know, as as we talk about, it, I mean, we all we all experience it and most of us experience it time and time again. Right. And it's, uh, you know, we all experience it differently, but how we deal with it, uh, is, is really the key because you're going to have it. It's just, you know, uh, I, I know for me looking back, I never really knew the term until maybe the last few years. I wish I would have known the term 20 years ago because it would have allowed me to define what I was going through. And frankly, I think it would have been better to, to get through it. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no question. I mean, I, I could tell you so many instances of when I had imposter syndrome, but most recently, and I come from a marketing background and you know, as you listen to the podcast, well, I'll, I'll share more about that. I, I always hate talking about myself, so I'm not quick to uh, peacock about my background, but I will say, so being around marketing for a long time, I, I've always had goals and aspirations of uh, being well-known in that space. And so uh, after a lot of hard work, I, I was recently asked by a university if I would be a uh, lecturer or other otherwise known as an adjunct professor. And um, that to me was a bit of a defining moment where I had the opportunity to do that. But I also said, you know, typically to have a position like that, you need to have an MBA or PhD. And many of my colleagues have those and multiple. And so I had a moment of, why me? Uh, I, I don't even know if I'm qualified. Now, at the core, I, I know I'm qualified to teach the content, but I don't know that I'm qualified to be teaching at a university level. And so I had to remind myself, and again, these are moments that don't define you, but you either have to choose, hmm, I feel like an imposter. Do I continue? Like, am I good enough? And my brain said, yeah, I, I am good enough. I, I know the content. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this. 
And I, I believe I can give the students a phenomenal experience and, and really bring them a lot of real world experience and knowledge that they might not gain just learning out of a textbook. Yeah. And so that was one of so many. And how I overcame that was self-talk, really, and not, not allowing self-doubt to be the champion there. And um, I, I had shared that with other people, not so much that, oh, I'm feeling like an imposter, but I just said, you know, it's a bit of a humbling moment uh, and it, it's exciting, but it's like, wow. And they're like, a couple of people said, you know, you're more than qualified to do this. And that's when I said, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. I shouldn't even think about that. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but everybody has it. And I've been in this industry for over 20 years. So I shouldn't yeah. for a moment begin to think that I can't do it. And, sure. um, I'd be curious. Uh, I know you've got a couple that, that we've talked about, but I, I want to hear one of your imposter syndrome stories. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, every step of my career, I feel like I've had imposter syndrome. Uh, you know, one, one of the more recent ones that was really interesting to me was, uh, so uh, I've been CEO of McClone now for about five years. And uh, so we're uh, about 120 people, right? So we have, you know, it's not just me leading a few people, it's me leading leaders. And one of the most interesting things was all, I'll never forget it. It was when all of a sudden one of our leaders repeated something that I said. And that kind of blew my mind because I was like, hold on. I just kind of say stuff, right? I just, you know, I'm just kind of talking about stuff, right? And, and all of a sudden it's, oh, you're repeating what I said. And, you know, thankfully, I, I think it was a good nugget. I mean, that's why she was, she was repeating it. But it was one of those kind of light bulb moments where all of a sudden I'm like, hold on. I am the leader. So you have to, you have to embrace it. Right. And, uh, to your point, it wasn't that I, uh, you know, there are times when you feel like you're not qualified. Uh, there's times when you feel like I didn't recognize really the position I was in. So that, that one was a really interesting one to me, but you know, I'll give another example. At one point I was, uh, I was on a, uh, uh, board of directors on, on a bank board. And uh, so I am today too, but this was actually a different bank. And at the time I was a lot younger than most of the other people in the room. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget when uh, they voted me to be the, the vice chair of the board at that time. Why would they do that? There, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't understand. I, like to this day, it, it was one of those where I was I'm looking around the room and frankly, I felt like everyone in the room was a heck of a lot smarter than me and a heck of a lot more qualified. And yet, you know, that was, that was their decision. And you know, whether it was the right one or wrong one, I guess, you know, that's, that's for others to decide. But it, that was a, an example for me where I had to say, well, what, it wasn't my decision. They decided it. Well, then maybe it, it isn't my issue, right? Maybe I just need to look at myself a little differently. And, uh, but, but the other thing that I think is really interesting about each of the imposter syndrome scenarios that I've gone through is if used correctly, it can be super powerful because when I, when I look at the imposter syndrome, how, how I've learned to react to it, you know, when you're younger, you almost want to run from it. You almost believe the talk in your head. I and think most sometimes do. When, for sure. And, and you almost, you almost need that outside party, right? I, honestly, it was, we were talking about this, right? We were talking about starting a podcast together around hustle. You know, you, you were that to me, right? Where we were having this discussion of, well, yeah, I mean, th this is something that needs to be shared. And this is something that people will want to hear, you know, that, that talk, right? 
was an outside party saying, get off of it, just go do it. Uh, but what it does is to me, it's allowed me to embrace that, to raise the bar because the other kind of underpinning of the imposter syndrome is you're not qualified or you're not good enough. Well, if you respond to that by quitting or paralysis, then, then it's taking it too far. But if you use it as a fuel to make whatever you're trying to do better and achieve better, then it can be a tremendous fuel, right? It allows you to, to think about, you know, what? it might not be good enough. I got to raise that bar a little bit, but it's that fine balance of, you know, if imposter syndrome is there, using it to fuel to, to maybe raise the bar so you feel more confident, you feel more better about what, what it is you're doing or what you're trying to accomplish, but not taking it so far that this thing has to be perfect, right? So as an example with this yeah. podcast, for those of you listening, right, we're, you know, this is our second episode and, and, you know, I'm sure when we look at our 50th episode, it'll be a heck of a lot better than our second episode, right? And, you know, the idea being there is nothing is ever perfect. Nobody, nobody expects perfection, but at some point you just got to launch, right? At some point you got to go and, and, and you got to start working through it because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to overcome it. I'm going to distill down what you just said to something very simple. And I, I believe this. I wanted to say this before is imposter syndrome is healthy and it's healthy for yeah. all of those reasons. I think if you don't get imposter syndrome, you could be uh, overly confident. You could be borderline arrogant. And I think those things can set you up for failure because um, if you have imposter syndrome at times and you overcome that because it's just momentary, in my opinion, whether that moment be for a day, an hour, a week, whatever, um, you you think about things differently. You're compassionate. You're typically caring. You want to understand. And someone who always just thinks, I've got it. I can do it, right? And it is good to be confident. But to a certain point, I think there's a such thing as getting to a level where you can set yourself up for failure. And I, have you seen that in the workplace? Have you seen that? Absolutely. I mean, I've seen it in myself, right? I mean, there's, you know, there's times in your career where you just, you know, and, and, you know, there's, to your point, there's some benefits to, to blind confidence in certain parts, right? Because, you know, there's plenty of people that had they not had blind confidence, they may have never done it. Right. So there, there are times and efforts to do that, but for, for sure, I see that, you know, in, in, in our company and companies all over the the world really, you know, they, they see it constantly where it's, you know, that individual that just doesn't recognize, you know, that the bar, you know, the bar is higher. Right. And, and they're, they're overly confident. And well, I get that you're confident, but you're not quite there. But the interesting thing about that is if I, if I were to choose, you know, one or the other, right. The, the, the overconfident or underconfident, um, the, either extremes can be a real big problem. But to me, I, I spend, you know, more time, with people that are not confident enough, getting them to move along. Because with the, the confident people, they even if you're a little bit overconfident, you tend to be moving. You tend to be just diving in. And you know, there, yes, there are some people that you want to kind of shake and be like, eh, maybe you should have a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? But you know, those that are less confident, and a lot of times, you know, and again, that's where hustle leadership comes in, right? Is is getting them to to see the path and you are, you are capable and you are going. And, and to me, that's where, you know, when, 
when we started talking about kind of what hustle nation looks like, right? Like what's the value of the community coming together, right? As if, if we're all believing in this, we're all hustling, we're all trying to achieve, we're all trying to kind of break through, you know, what, what benefit is that in us? It's because, you know, people like you and I and, and the listeners and, you know, all those part of, you know, hustle nation, we can support each other too, right? So when imposter syndrome is slowing one of us down, you know, not only can we support each other, but we can be real with each other to share. Yeah. You know, this is, you maybe need a little more imposter syndrome. Maybe you need a little bit less. Uh, but, you know, ultimately to your point, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it is healthy. It's just, how do you manage it and how do you use it as fuel and, and guidance so that you can achieve your goals? Yeah. You said something that's important there. Be real. Uh, I'll, I'll share a very quick story. Um, being around a, a tech startup in the fleet space, which you're familiar with this business of, yeah. of mine, yeah. my business partner and I were looking to hire um, our second or third sales guy. And so we kind of going through the motions of hiring and we found someone who we thought was very impressive, who seemed to have a relatively successful track record that we could afford. And as we got it narrowed down to the top three, this gentleman said, are you ready? And I said, we're ready. And he said, are, but are you ready for this kind of growth? And I said, well, what kind of growth do you envision? And he said, well, and keep in mind, this is a company that at the time barely made six figures in revenue, very small. He said, I'm talking about massive growth. I said, okay, well, he's like, I mean, I really believe this could be a five, $10 million company this year. And I thought, okay, well, we're already three months into the year. That would be, um, that'd be impressive. And he's like, are you, can you guys handle that? And I said, I could handle it, but frankly, I don't know that that's sustainable. I don't know that that's realistic. Now, do I want $10 million company? Yeah, absolutely. But Dustin, how many people do you know in real life or know of that have scaled a company with that kind of overnight success? Now to me, I, I don't, I've never heard of overnight success. I in fact heard one person say, you know what? I've enjoyed overnight success after churning out podcasts like this for six years. Yeah, exactly. So um, exactly. needless to say, we did not hire that individual, but I, I look back and I say that is overconfidence and that is not yeah. being realistic. I, I want people to be a little excited and I've, I've done this too, been so excited where I've set my, my goals and my objectives a little too high and I fell a little short, but that's okay. Yeah. It wasn't, um, 10 times or times too yeah. high. Absolutely. And you see, you do see it all the time. I mean, you know, there's kind of that age old rule, the 10 X rule, right? Where it, it, it's going to take you 10 times more work or 10 times harder than what, you know, you probably think. Right. And, and uh, we see that so often now, you, you know, you don't want to set easy goals, right? You don't want to set goals that just, Oh, well, that was a cupcake goal. And uh, that's not even going to be hard to catch. Right. But um one of the things you know we talked about a lot in our company is, you know, how many organizations have said we're going to double in the next X years, right? Five years, two years, ten years, what, like whatever it is. But how many actually do that? So so few do, but so many stand up in front and say we're going to double. And it's and the reason being is because there's no plan, there's no strategy, there's no underpinning to it, right? To your point, there's no realistic view of it. Right. So uh, like when I when I look at uh, you know, our organization at, at McClone, you know, we're we're growing at a very rapid pace. I mean, we've grown by over 50 percent in the last 18 months on a, on a decent size base already. 
well, okay, but what is, what does that mean? And how, how do we sustain that growth? And what is, you know, the next piece? Well, it's not like you can just wish it to happen again. You have, it's, and to your point the overnight success, why has that happened? Well, it's been 15 years of building stuff. (laughs) So it's, it's not like, oh, well, this year was great. Well, yeah. Okay. True. But there was 15 years of thankless nights and grinding and, and hard work and all that sort of stuff that kind of leads you up to that point. And so uh, there, there was a, you know, there's a quote out there, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, you know, to me, I, I always go back to that because to your point, so many people are like, well, this is an overnight success and this just came out of nowhere. When you really peel back the onion, I just, I, I still have yet to, to talk to someone that is truly successful you know, not winning the lottery, but truly successful that it just happened randomly. Uh, you know, maybe their organization scaled very quickly, but it, if, if their organization grew very quickly, it was probably because they had built relationships, a team, a plan, an organization years and years prior to that. And then they just happened to be right time, right place. And, and were able to scale it. Uh, you know, that, that's true. I mean, you think about businesses, successful businesses that have been started, you know, my first business, which is a seasonal entertainment business is, um, took me 16 months to start. And it was convincing my wife, one, that I should do it. And two, it was planning market research. Will this work here? Is there a market for this? Can I get this approved in the city? So, you know, you look and I say, well, okay, well in January, I'll be around that business will have been established for seven years, but really it's like eight and a half years because there was a lot of pre-planning, a lot of work, saving of money, et cetera, et cetera, to go into it. And I had to be realistic. And um, if I wasn't, obviously you, you, you can't fast forward to eight years and still be around, but yeah, it, it's just so important being realistic. And then going back to the thing about the goals you mentioned is, okay, we're going to double in five years. Okay, great. Well, how do we do it? And what does that look like in six months? Or as I heard in a podcast the other day was, okay, so we have these goals, right? We're going to look at them once a year, right? Okay. Well, most companies I know look at their goals once a year. They're not very successful. So why don't we have quarterly meetings on this? Why don't we have half hour quarterly meetings and say, okay, are we on track for goal X? Are we on track for goal Y? If not, why? And how, what are we doing to fix that? And so I I think smart, measurable, attainable goals, sometimes even I think setting the bar at a, at a level that's low enough that you can just crush that goal. Now, not on purpose, but to the point where, okay, well, we want to be 20%, but let's say 15. And if we get to 22, hey, we're going to look pretty damn freaking good. And whether it's 15, 14, or 22% over where you were the previous year, that's still fantastic. And so I think being real and setting goals together go together just like the H and U and hustle. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and to me, it's, you know, whether it be corporate goals or personal goals, it's amazing to me on how, you know, who, who do you think is more likely to achieve their goals? Somebody that looks at their goals every day or somebody that looks at them once a year. I mean, clearly the person that looks at them every day is going to be far more likely to achieve those goals. And then you start building to what's underneath it. I mean, it's amazing to me. So, you know, we deal with you know, thousands of companies around the, uh, the country in our business. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting to me in that, you know, how many organizations talk about growth and then you say, okay, well, 
Like, how are you going to achieve that? And not only, not only a lot of times is there not a strategy, there's not even necessarily the math underneath it, right? Which is, okay, to grow by 15%, how, how many new customers are you going to need to get? And if you need that many customers, how, how many potential customers do you need to talk to? And based on that, how, how are you going to talk to them? And how many reach outs do you need to do to, to talk to them, right? Or, or what is your marketing strategy? Or how are you going to get in front of enough people? And, uh, you know, we, we talk about it all the time in, in our business. I mean, our, our sales team would always jokes me. Uh, I actually even made a t-shirt this year where I, I say it's just a math problem, right? And, you know, ultimately it's way oversimplified, but a lot of these, if you know your metrics as an organization and, and you know, you know, what you're driving to, to your point of it's a smart goal, right? So it's actually measurable. You can actually tell whether you hit it or not. If, if it's measurable in the long run, it should be measurable somehow in the short run. And so if you can measure those daily activities, think about like, you know, health, uh, fitness, right? I mean, if you're wearing a you know, wearable tracker, why, why are those helping people get more healthy? Because now you know your stats every single day, right? And how you can compare each day, even maybe how you compare within a day. <laughs> well, imagine if you can apply that to your, to your business. You know, I'm not saying have wearable KPIs maybe, but <laughs> you get the idea. Some people might need those though. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like we need to have another episode focused on goals, how to achieve them and defining what a smart goal is, which I think we'll save for another episode. But uh, episode number two, all about the imposter syndrome. Uh, I hope that there were a lot of people listening and watching who took a lot of value from that. I know this subject will come up more in the future, uh, specifically with our guests. And uh, it, it certainly ties into uh, H-U-S-T and L-E, no doubt. Dustin, final thoughts? Use imposter syndrome for your benefit. It happens to us all. Don't let it stop you. Let it fuel you. I would say know that it's momentary or let it be momentary. Then step on it and squash it like a bug because you should know in your heart of hearts that you're capable. And that's one thing I want everybody who's watching and listening to take away is that you can, and you will um, don't let these things um, control you because it is temporary outside of that. Thank you for watching. Please like comment, share, and we hope to see you back for episode number three. Peace. Thank you for being part of the hustle nation. If you're serious about raising the bar in your personal and professional life and willing to go all in on your success, head over to hustleleaders.com. Here you can get access to our Hustle Productivity ebook, attend our Hustle Masterclass, or challenge yourself to the 30-day Hustle Challenge. Pairing these tools and training with the Hustle Nation podcast will help you advance to a whole new level. Until next time, stay hungry and inspire those around you to hustle.